Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's before 40. Chris, Willie, and Trevor, part of the Nova Insider Network and brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Sorry, Willie, you're not paying attention to the private chat. Oh, private I, chat, I was like, who is doing the intro? Because I jumped on super late because it was questionable if I was going to join. And then Trevor goes, Willie was going to. And I said, do it, Willie. And then you just like dead bad. I was too busy producing because Brian's not here. And I saw the chat. I was like, I'll check that when we're done introing. (laughs) (laughs) All good. All good. Um, All right. Well, that was the most fun um, uh, Villanova slash Eagles fan has had in in the last 36 hours. (laughs) Why why would you bring that up? (laughs) It's actually been like two weeks since we felt the same exact way. Um, <laughs> if you go back to the St. John's game, the Eagles lost the game the next day to a worse yeah. team. So uh, used to the feeling, unfortunately, but um, the Sixers are playing. So there you I'm go. ready to be hurt again. <laughs> we so, have that to look forward to whenever I, we finish recording. I haven't gotten in on the Sixers yet because I know I'm going to get hurt. And like a fool, I believe in the Eagles until they – it's just yeah. pain. I, I, I saw a meme. You ever see that ha- that meme of the house that has the deck that's way up high and this one like warped like wood thing that's holding up the entire yep. deck? And it was like the deck was labeled Philadelphia fan sports mental state. And then the beam was Joel Embiid. <laughs> <laughs> and, and honestly, more specifically, it's like Embiid's knee. Yeah, <laughs> like take it a step further, and it's probably just as wobbly as the as the picture shows. So, um, hanging on by a thread here. But yeah, luckily uh, we have the Villanova Wildcats to bring us joy. That's right. That's yeah. right. So coming to you after a DePaul win, which at home should be of no surprise, and yep. then and then a Marquette loss that, frankly, just played out differently than every other game this whole season. So. Another game to learn nothing about the team. <laughs> um, it was, weird. but I, I guess I guess wh- where do you guys want to start? Do you want to start with Marquette? Do you want to start with DePaul? Do you want to start what? How you guys want to do this? I think we're going to start with DePaul just to get that out of the way before yeah. we can. Uh, we're going to go high, low, really low, and then we'll we'll come back up on a high note uh, before we preview UConn. I think um, DePaul was a fun game. Section 208. Section 208. If you are unfamiliar, uh, I was there sitting with my friends. Shout out Tommy for the ticket. And uh, we were uh, rewarded, noticed, recognized as the uh, the fan section of the game. Obviously the loudest, most caring fans out there. Um, section oh, yeah. how, 208. How did that change your life? Like what's been different so, since then? Um, I got a hat. Not this one. This is a, uh, this is a pretty unique hat. Um, but as, um, it's kind of ironic that I say this cause it's actually, as we were leaving, they did the, uh, the promo for it. It was the under four timeout and we had ordered some food and we were winning by 30. So it was time to go and, and pick it up in the rain. And, uh, as we were walking down the stairs, we just heard section 208 and everybody around us started jumping up and down. I was like, Oh wow, I guess we won something. And then as we were walking out, somebody was standing there with a box of hats. So I got a nice, uh, winter hat, um, 
again, not this one that I'm currently wearing, but it, uh, it just feels good to be better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously they had been looking at our section all game. Um, and, and obviously I was there the entire game and not spending most of the second half hanging out with Brian on the concourse. Um, so everything was, uh, went as it should have and as it was expected to, um, definitely not a shot at the student section, but we were just better. Um, in all seriousness, like it was, you know, it was a fun game. Uh, Brennan Hausen. Not again. Yeah, man. Trevor's Trevor. gone. Trevor, get a better internet provider. Come R.I.P. On. R.I.P. <laughs> oh, and he said boy. Brendan Hawson was the last yeah. thing that he said. So Brendan Hawson was an electric factory in the first Absolutely. half of that game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what? I mean, had finished with five three-pointers. Um, had another bucket, which we'll talk about a little bit later. One of his only two-point buckets in his Villanova history. Um, one of, I think, like maybe five or six. Um, I mean, we, we've known this. but like When he's hitting his shots, it's a completely different dimension to the team. I'm going to kick out this guy and then I'm going to pull in the other one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> where'd you lose up? me? <laughs> he said, Brendan Hawson. And then we jumped Hawson. in to say That's he was it. an electric factory. Yeah. Couldn't miss. Um, yeah. I think I uh, spoke so highly of myself. My Wi-Fi had to humble me. Um, sorry <laughs> about that. Um, Hawson couldn't miss. I, it's hard to take anything away from the ball games, honestly. Yeah. Like they're, they're so bad. The one um, thing that you did see was that we started to make an emphasis on going inside with our offense. Did you, and I not mean, yeah. to think we just talked about the Brendan Hawes and threes, but that was really yeah. the only three balls that we were shooting. It was a right. couple others by Bomba, I think. But like um but we made an actual emphasis to go inside out and got got um <clears throat> Deshaun Nelson, who torched us last year. We got him in foul trouble. He actually was having a pretty good game. And I don't know why, I don't know why Stubbs didn't manage his minutes at all because he was like four fouls with like sixteen minutes left in the game. (laughs) He's a horrible coach. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then uh, we, but but anyway, we found. I mean, we found him. The game was already in hand, like easily in hand by that point. But still, it was good to see the offense flow, and it seemed like the offense carried over into the Marquette game. Yeah. One thing to call out, like, yeah, we attacked inside. Um, a person that, like, honestly, a tale of two halves for this person, realistically, um, Tyler Burton. Like, first half, he was chucking threes, and he went 0 for 5 from 3. And then in the second half, like, and we talked about this in one of our group texts, like, Burton did what he should be doing. Like, I think there's room for him to develop in other world spaces, yada, yada, yada. But, like, what he should be doing for this team is attacking the boards, cutting, being in the dunker spot, like, playing not as much on the perimeter and like honestly like i would like to just inverse it where like it's eric on the perimeter and it's tyler like playing in the dunker spot playing down low and then yeah if there's a if there's a possession that like we want to get eric the ball in the post then we just switch it like let tyler be out there like he's fine on the perimeter but it's clearly not where he's supposed to be him cutting to the basket him just moving off the ball which like we already know like sometimes our offense like we're not moving off the ball that much. It's a lot of swinging and cut packs, just swinging around. We're not even cutting because we're not really penetrating us that much with the exception of a person we're going to talk about a, a little bit today, uh, Mark Armstrong, who's like, I think starting to figure things out. Um, but all in all, Burton played really well in the second half. I mean, he finished with 14, uh, 14, 10 and four, like even assists. And like, I think that we're just see we saw 
and including the Marquette game, maybe the offense is actually figuring some things out. I'd like to see Burton. Like, I'm fine with him shooting some threes because if you end up with three, like, you take it. But, like, it's almost like in football you establish the run to free up the passing game. Like, in for, for Burton in this villain of offense, like, he's going to establish his cutting and his driving and his dunking and his two-point finishing to establish his three-point shooting. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing at the establish the two-point finishing because – I think Burton gets blocked like five times a game. Um, it's crazy. But every block is like yeah, the worst block yeah. of all time. He goes for it. Like I give him credit for going for it, but it's it, it reminds me of um when Bridges tried to dunk on Kanate well, in the feel- game, like every time. <laughs> I even feel like it with Burton though, it's like he would be finished. He, I feel like he gets into the blocks. Like yeah. he adjusts too much and then gets blocked. I'm like, you should have just gone up strong and you don't. And then that's or, why you got blocked. Which on his first layup, I think against Marquette, he actually did like, he reversed the basketball and used the yeah. rim to protect him. I'm like, oh my God, he <laughs> he read the tweets. <laughs> um, <laughs> he knows how to do it. <laughs> but I'm like sitting here trying not to laugh at us saying like, oh yeah, put him in the dunker spot. Like the guy that gets blocked the most on our team. Yeah, put him in the dunker spot. But um, I, stand, I stand by it. Yeah. No, I, well, I think he, we've seen, he's great as a slasher. Yeah. Um, and he should be working to do that more, not necessarily from the dunker. Like it's fine. Have him on the wing. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but I agree. I think generally he had one of his better games as of since UCLA after he was actively trying to draw contact, but he does get fouled a lot. Um, which is also good. Um, I mean, I don't know these numbers off the top of my head. I'd imagine the two highest foul rates on the team. I mean, outside of Eric are probably Burton and um, Bamba because they they are the ones who attack the rim yep. the most. Justin, I mean, his numbers are going to be all hard. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I mean, DePaul's good. Not much to take about it. I'm glad we blew him out. Like two blowouts is cool. Um, it's, it, the game 94-69 is kind of closer than the game really was even at, at points. So like, I'm good with that. Anytime you get Colin O'Toole minutes, we're we're good. We're good to roll. Agreed. Feels good to score like ninety plus points in a pavilion game too. Like yeah, this team has been pretty bad in the pavilion, and so nice to actually see the team get get it going in that building. Yeah, we're gonna need it in a couple weeks. Um, Marquette yeah. game. Marquette. Yeah, just the opposite <laughs> of how we played. It's so interesting. It's the exact opposite of every game. I feel like. We've played with force defensively. We've been into people. We've we've made our presence be known every single game. And we didn't do that versus Marquette from the beginning. Like from and like I give a lot of credit to Marquette. They were able to scheme. They were they moved without the ball so well. They back cut, they set back screens. The fact that like Igadaro got like what th- almost three lobs in a row to begin the game, like it, it, and that it makes your life is a lot easier when you're the best point guard in the country. Like there's Sure. Um, but like allegedly, allegedly um, the best reading point guard in the com- country. Who's to say? <laughs> Sorry. The most. He's going to go to this new Dwayne Wade Ill- illiteracy program. And it's it's kind of a funny joke because, Willie, I think you spelled Tronch wrong in your episode title. <laughs> I didn't name. I didn't name these. Oh, Brian did. Brian, yeah, okay. Brian. <laughs> Brian definitely spelled Tron. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. Title. Well, Brian um, always spells everything. Yeah, wrong. yeah. <laughs> shows how much Brian respects us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but 
Yeah. When is the last – has this team ever, on paper, like since stats have been recorded, given up 60 points in the paint? No. That That's like a fake – that's a video game. Yeah. It was outrageous. I, I, <laughs> I just think – It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. We everybody, had like literally look, a top we, 20 Ken Palm yeah, defense. We and felt then, good in the beginning of the game, and then you look at the shooting, you're like, oh, wait. Um, we're shooting like 70%, 60% from three, and we're still only up two or yeah. we're down two. And then you look at, oh, they've shot like three threes. Like we are in trouble. Yeah. The game scoring that high, like that was never a recipe for our success. We always want to try to keep team. This, this team especially thrives when we're keeping teams in the 60s. Um, maybe into the 70s a little bit, and we just get in trouble when we're on pace for a higher scoring game, unless it's a Maryland-DePaul, you know, We've, we've only won one game and we allow a team to score more than 70 points. That was UNC, that was, right? UNC, yep. And that was overtime. Like, it's yeah. just... Which I, which I believe in regulation they were actually under yeah. 70. Yeah. Um, so that was a mess. We kept Shaka on the sideline, at least. Um, I was looking for that. Um, I mean, it gets back to the thing I mentioned earlier of, like, a couple of pods ago, of, like, when I'm watching a game, I look for, like, where is the regression to the mean? Like, are we overshooting? Are we undershooting? We were overshooting that game. Like, we were shooting 55%. And, like, yeah, you could say, like, Marquette was shooting 70%. But, like, once again, they were shooting 70% on walking to the rim layups. Cam Jones had like wide open like layups. And I, I love Cam Jones. He's such a good player. Um, but like had wide open layups so many times. Igadaro had like so like just open layups. Igadaro had like 18, 11 and or 18, 9 and 6 or something like that. Like it was just like we we had, they had two guys approaching triple double territory. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just <laughs> at one point in the game, it got to 57 57. And then Marquette decided that they were going to put the clamps down defensively and they were going to keep doing it. And it just blew us out for the rest of the game. To which our response to put the clamps down defensively was keep shooting and hope. And I was just like, we, we weren't adjusting. Like we were missing some shots and I get it. We hit two straight threes to make it 57, 57. But then like we were missing and we just like did not adjust. I don't know. It's, it was frustrating and it was just frustrating because like it was, I, Defense is supposed to travel, and it didn't. Like, we left our defense in the hotel in Milwaukee. The, um, I don't, the, the worst part is, I don't even know if they actually put the clamps on or if it was just the time for our offense to just forget how to do anything. And yeah, the answer was like, screw it, I'm going to shoot it. And it was just, it was painful. What, like, I can't believe they were allowed to do that to those rims. Um, for that like six minute stretch, it, the whole thing was crazy. I mean, look, I, I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts. I put on Twitter on my own personal account. I was like, this to me felt like a, a player's loss. Like, look, I, I'm not absolving Neptune here or the coaching staff because, like, again, we got 57 57 and immediately took like I forget exactly who, but I was like, immediately took like Dixon out and and put Ware in and this was I don't hate Lance Ware at all I'm I'm fine with Lance Ware but like it just wasn't the game for him this wasn't the game for Lance Ware like he just was getting annihilated in in this game and so and so 
it wasn't a game for him. We immediately take Dixon out, put Ware in, and then it's all of a sudden it's 67-57 again. And it's like it's all, so like I just said it's a player's loss, but like the rotation again, some of those decisions like really make an impact. Like this team is constantly asked to dig out of holes. And when they do, then we just switch it back and get into another hole. And it's like, come on, like you ride your hot hand. That's like a that's like a a known thing in coaching. <laughs> like it's very easy to do. At the same time, from like a from like a game scheme adjustments perspective, I just find it impossible, impossible that we didn't make adjustments and that we didn't have a game plan to handle what Marquette was going to throw at us. I just I just refuse to believe that something as obvious as what was going on wasn't game planned for or whatever. And if you read the if you read the players' tweets on Twitter, like the Gillespies, the mm-hmm. the the, the Ochefus, even A Ray's tweets on Twitter, like, like they were all kind of like, and this happened a couple times this year, kind of dogging the, the the guys a little bit, like kind of yeah. dogging the players a little bit, like, like what are we doing out there, right? Like, you guys got to like, what is this defense, right? Like, and I don't feel like it's a coach schematic issue i felt like it was just like the guys were just not reading anything not picking it up like it seemed like they just they had wanted never to get seen a, a pick and roll before they had never seen a pick and roll before um i think this was i i think we missed longino and njoku more than i thought we would going into this um just that extra layer of kind of perimeter defense and somebody that can longino can switch onto the bigs and hold his own a little bit better than um mark and brendan can um, I thought Njoku might have been a little better equipped just to bang with those guys down low than than Ware was. Um, Ware has the unfortunate like streak of getting switched onto guys who aren't necessarily hot or shooting well, and then just getting threes drained in his face constantly. Um, <laughs> going back to Kansas State, but it was Which just kind of tells you, yeah, it's on him. Yeah, um, and. It was just, I I can't get sixty points. <laughs> yeah, the defenseless lack pride. This is what I'm just getting back yeah. to. Like, yeah. The players just like they 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 were told to play a certain way. There's no way that we didn't say slow the game down, play our pace, whatever. Like every time out that they flashed to Neptune, instructing the guys in the huddle, it was he was like he was like guys, it's clear they were shooting, but like like. We gotta make these reads. Like they're they're running simple pick and rolls. Like get into position. Like like, and it, it just wasn't happening on the court. And he was switching. And so like I don't necessarily like I blame him for some of the lineup switching, but I don't blame him for all the lineup switching because he was just trying to find anybody who was willing right. to play any semblance of fucking defense out there. Yeah, and that's what like I think I. <laughs> I was hoping this was this would be the game that we finally see like Neptune get a uh, a technical for technical sake. He was jumping up and down on the sideline, yelling at our at his guys as he should have been. Um, there was I didn't think there was anything with the refs like too much in this game that I was like, oh, this is egregious or anything. But like, you gotta like he. I don't know what he's supposed to do if he can't get them to care. Like who's supposed like that's that's a team leadership thing from the players that like you have to have a sense of pride in your defense here. Um I know Justin still isn't 100% back. 
he didn't have a great DePaul game. He he was shooting a little bit better against Marquette, but um, the the perimeter was like the perimeter defense wasn't adequate enough. Like the sometimes just like getting lost on switches. Um, obviously, nobody could stop their bigs. Kolek was just going to dissect whatever coverage he got. It seemed, and then he even started making shots. Like it was just it's tough to watch. I mean, that was walkthrough basketball. Like at the end of the day, that's what it was. Like, it was a layup line. It was a, yeah. it was literally a layup line. It was okay. We're good. We're we're good offensively right now. They're good offensively. Let's just go and score. Like there was no force. There were like we talked about there being no like ref issues because there, I don't know how many fouls were called. Like Marquette shot free th- eight free throws. We shot fourteen. Like there was weren't that many fouls called because like it's in the first half of the game. Like it was just we were shooting hitting jumpers. Game, yeah. Marquette was just getting to the rim. Like there was there was no force either way, and it felt like one of those games where I don't. A la like what 2018 would do at times, where it's just like we're just gonna outscore you, but like Marquette's better than us. Like <laughs> we can't just outscore Marquette. You have to stop him on the other end. Like 2018 had the had the uh get like just had six NBA players and Phil Booth on it. Like that's like and, yeah, of course they could outscore. And this this Marquette team isn't some like offensive juggernaut that shoots ridiculous percentages from three and everything no. like that. And they didn't even have to be, it was just like, Oh yeah, we have, we have layup lines today. Yeah. Um, and Shaka smart tuttles that were mic'd up. He was like, they're getting really confused. They, they don't know what to do about it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. We didn't, it was yeah, a he's pick like, and he's roll. Like, they're really confused at this. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Keep, keep doing, doing it. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, he told the one guy, he was like, yeah, you can shoot if you're like open, but just do this thing. Cause they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was you know, harsh. Predictable <laughs> bounce back game for Kolick. Um, I think uh, he had twenty one and eleven or something like that. Five rebounds. Yeah, like um, light work. Dwayne Wade getting there for his. I think he got his jersey. What did he get his jersey retired from the Heat the day before? A couple of days before they. I don't know. They announced statue. he was getting a statue. Yeah. Um, and then he was at the Marquette game. He donated. A whole bunch of money for the uh, the basketball facility. I think they're going to name the practice facility after him. And then the icing on the cake was a lot of it went to a Marquette literacy program or something like that. <laughs> Which Kolek must have saw that and uh, and bounced back from his uh, from his struggles. Um, the Tyler Kolek literacy program for the youth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was just like unfortunate. Like you could. We all we talked about it last week. We're like, this is a scheduled beatdown um, that's forthcoming. Like everybody's struggling. They just lost. Was it Jones? Yeah. Um, to an ACL, they lose that game to Butler. It's kind of like, okay. Let's refocus. And then they just ran layup lines on us for forty minutes. The um, second we lost, they lost to Butler. I was like, yeah, this is probably yeah. Now. Like <laughs> they're not dropping three in a row. No. But on a positive note, with this. Like, and just on a positive note for the last, like, three, four games, I think, like, Mark has turned a corner. Yes. Like, I, I don't even think, like, he had tw- he had 20 – he was he was hitting three-pointers, which maybe that was a level of being hot. But just, like, even in his aggression and confidence, like, he's felt like this is what we're getting from him. He's, st- he's still not, like, the elite, like, floor general that maybe we'd want. But, like, that's probably never going to be him. But, like, if he can just – if he's a walking paint touch, that changes so much for our offense. We struggle to get paint touches that are not back downs. 
Like, that's just what it is. Like, if we're not backing down in the post, like, we struggle to get paint touches. Mark is an automatic, like, I will just beat you and get get into the lane. And where he needs to continue to improve is either finishing at the rim, which he's been better the last like, couple of week games, or setting up other people and getting them for shots from the perimeter. Then, you know, you get into the whole drive, drive, kick, whatever. But it's just been – Mark was – I mean, there was a point I think Mark scored, like, 10 straight points for us where I was just like, oh, okay, he's he's here. This was really good to see. Um, I'm hoping this momentum continues. This is where, like, with, with Mark playing, like, to even, like, 75% of this level, um, Jordan back and Justin and, you know, getting back and just, like, the full team. This is where you're like, we're super talented. We just have to become consistent. And, I mean, we're just inconsistent, which is why, as I've said all season in our text, I don't think I've said on the podcast, we're the most eight seed team to ever eight seed. Because, like, we're going, like, I'm going to say this right now, we're going to beat UConn. I'm fine with that. I'm just putting it out. In the, we are going to beat UConn at home. I'm so confident in it. And when we're wrong, we can clip this and do whatever. But we're going to beat UConn because right, we're the most eight seed team. Down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> team to ever eight seed. And it just, like, it makes sense at home in our first real Wells Fargo game. Like, yeah, this is just going to happen. So, yeah. So since the mark, uh, the mark point since yeah. the Zager game where he was inexplicably not playing when we desperately needed someone to bring the ball up in the last five minutes, he's had three career high scoring outputs in a row. I think, uh, um, I, I think they said that on the broadcast, yeah. uh, he has scored more in his in the last game than he did before and before that and so on. And I don't know if 13 was his, pre- if 12 or 13 was his previous career high, but he had 24 against Marquette. Um, and I think 15 against DePaul, 14 against St. John's. We're seeing him figure it out. I know he had a couple of air ball threes that were probably ill-advised shots, but he made his first three, I want to say, like his yep. first three uh, attempts in the game. It kind of opened things up for him. Guys were closing out a little bit harder and that's like, I'm getting to the paint now. Um, he's so fast. I thought he could have broke. He almost snatched a pair of ankles on one of, but then he like pulled the ball back out um, in the second half that I was, I was really hoping that guy was going to end up on the floor, but he kind of just like skidded away. Yeah. Um, but he's been playing great. He's been playing more minutes. I'm, I think that's very important for this team going forward this year and for our chances next year too. I mean, yeah, that's the mark who, if like everyone, like if we ever think he's going to play at the next level, this is the level he needs to be at. Yeah, and like obviously shooting is the key to that. There's only two other guys who I've seen in a Villanova uniform, and it's really one that I've seen in this latest era of Villanova basketball, <clears throat> or since 2000, I guess I'll say, who could be a walking paint touch with his speed and just his ability to get to get to the spot that he wants to get to because he's just more athletic than anybody else at that point guard position. Kyle Lowry and Malik Waynes were both yep. the two guys who could blur to a spot like Armstrong can. And candidly, Waynes, just because of the way that whole his whole career went at Villanova, which I'm glad that we've kind of resurrected all of that and kind of made that good with time. But like, but like, it wasn't as much him. It was really Kyle Lowry, even though it was only two years. Like Kyle Lowry just got to his spot. Like Kyle Lowry couldn't shoot the ball. He was like the worst three-point shooter. Like there was open threes where the crowd was yelling at him 
no, <laughs> do not shoot that ball. And, and, but like, it didn't matter that the defense could sag and it didn't matter. He could still get to the paint. Yep. And Armstrong is kind of that guy. And if Armstrong can have a few, a, if he could get one or two threes a game, just for like keeping the defense honest, he does not need to be a three point shooter. Yeah. But if he gets one or two, just to keep the defense honest. So they have to, that defense has to take one half step forward. Then he's, he's at the bucket. So like, and that's like that's or at least key, forcing right? the rotation and and getting an open yep. open right. teammate, yeah, right. And, and he's gotten a little bit better with the finishing over, yeah, just over, a little bit better, yeah, yeah. Over the course of this season, he's he's contorted his body a little bit. He's 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 gotten a little bit better feel for that. He's so athletic. Like I'm I'm not even worried about that for him. I know it'll come. If not, he can just do like the Brandon Slater. Like I'm just gonna try to dunk it every time, and he'll get fouled a ton. He's a good free throw yeah. shooter. Um, so I'm not super worried about that. Um, but yeah, hats off to Mark. He's been uh, he's been solid the last few games. Which I think overall, if we're thinking about Mark, like that's probably our alpha dog for the last oh, yeah. stretch of games. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's Mark. Um, shout out to Mark. I think this is his first alpha dog. I don't remember um, this season. Definitely. I, yeah. uh, I don't know if he had one last year. Yeah, I'm not it's, sure. Um, did he go wait. bananas against BC last year? Cam, Cam did. Cam did. Mark's Cam best did. games last year were against Georgetown. Uh, if I remember, well, we probably gave him one versus the Georgetown. Yeah. Um, I would say honorable mention. Brennan Hausen in his shooting. Um, he had uh, he had some bombs against Marquette. He also got blocked a couple times, but um, and then DePaul too. He was the only one that was really hitting threes. But so I would say uh, our backcourt of the present and future is uh, is stepping yeah. up these last couple games. Um, and then if we're talking about like just for Shaq fit man play, like there's nothing really to talk about in Marquette. DePaul, we had like the back-to-back dunks. Mark gets a fast break, you know, jumps 45 inches in the air, elevates and <laughs> dunks it. And then we get DePaul has a miss. I believe Ware got the rebound, outlets it to Hawson. And this is the man fit play because I was like, is Hawson about to dunk this bitch? Um, <laughs> he was. He, he goes up and I was like, oh, he's not going to make it. And then like, <laughs> squeezes the ball through. And I was like, oh, this must feel so good for him. One of his only like two point shots ever made for, for us. Um, so Shaq Fit Man play, Brendan Hawson, it's you. Congrats yeah. on the dunk. Yeah. There was a second I was like, is he gonna like windmill this? Like I was like, is he gonna just surprise us with a level of, of you know Mark does like that's Mark's signature dunk the yeah. you know it's like the LeBron like Statue yeah. of Liberty kind of yeah. type that uh that's like Mark's go to on a breakaway and and uh, yeah Hazen getting up was 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 fun. Um, good for him. He also had you know those bombs against Marquette that were also yeah. fun, but it's more fun to talk about plays that occurred in a win. Um, yeah. So Hazen, Hazen's that guy who though, like, man, with his three point shooting, like he is the guy who like is the guys who like Armstrong did it in this game, like, oh, he's taking a heat check shot. Hazen's the guy who hits doesn't the have heat. a heat check. Yeah. He hits the heat check. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Heat check is his warm up, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um he is in the range gym. In in the gym range. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. So yeah. um if you I don't know if you remember I like I'm thinking about Hawson because like so many of his shots are just three pointers. If you remember, like, think about players that were doing that. Do you remember the guy he was at Oakland, Max Hooper? Yeah, yes, yes. Max Hooper. I'm looking right now to see. 
Yeah, did Max he attempt Hooper, a two-point shot his entire career? He did. He attempted 11 two-point shots of 490 shots. Like, that's what Hosman <laughs> feels like. Like he, I'm looking That's right honestly now. his trajectory, though. Yeah. Like, and that's fine. Uh, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, Max, Max Hooper had 202 threes made, 208 field goals. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. It's, Hosman's passed that. I think he's made more than six. Actually, I'm going to check that. Has Hosman made more than six? What do you think? I think ninety five percent of his I don't I don't know the, the number, but I would say like ninety five percent of his attempts have been threes. Yeah, I would so, say that's yeah. probably accurate. Maybe right, higher. Pausing. You could oh. tell me that it's like ninety eight. Uh, I'll give you the percentage right now. Give me a second. I'm just gonna do this quick math. For that I mean, ooh, it's under ninety one percent. All right, he's he, made, has, he doesn't have enough attempts yet. That's why. That's what. That's really what it is. He's made sixty one threes and he's taken sixty seven. Or made sixty-seven shots. <laughs> yeah, so that'll that'll turn into ninety-five out of a hundred. Yeah, pretty um, pretty soon. But uh, continuing awards, pass the ball. <laughs> I have I have one specific play, and then a candidate in general. Unfortunately, I try not to single out individual guys, um, just because like I don't I don't love doing that. But in the DePaul game. There's a clip of Hakeem Hart is on a switch and his man catches the ball on the block and he's standing up straight up and Lance Ware crashes in and just shoves him out of the way. <laughs> and then does, and then tees up and then found the guy. Yeah. But there's a fantastic clip going around that's like uh, apparently Lance Ware thinks he's the only one that can defend the paint and then yeah. just shoving Hart out of the, who. I mean, you could probably ch- he probably has a longer standing reach than Hakeem Hart does, but like it's not that much of a difference. Yeah, like, so, it wasn't like it was build. Brendan under the yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of the same build. And honestly, like I you like Hakeem Hart might be tougher to move at times, but like it was just the funniest thing. He just shoves him out of the way, and then eventually fouled the the DePaul player on the attempt, and then um, unfortunately for just how. The defense worked out for him against Marquette. I'm, I'm just continue. I'll, I'll give it to that specific play. But in general, I, I say Lance Ware. You got to pass the ball there, it's buddy. It's not a play award. It's a, yeah. it's an it's, award to a player or yeah, a player. yeah. Um, but that specifically in mind, I'll give it to him because I, I think sixty points in the paint is a team, uh, is a team goof. Just, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it obviously you think of the big men when that happens, but like they're the ones getting caught on the switches. Um, yeah. but yeah, I have a second one. Yeah, go for it. Marquette game, end of the first half. <laughs> Justin, Moore, Justin Moore's three pointer. What was that, man? That is Chris. What are you talking about? That's that's the play when we have the ball under ten seconds. What that you- was not the play. That like that's another thing. Is like people were like, I can't believe Neptune. That's what he fucking drew up. And I was like, There's no fucking way. That's what he drew yeah. up. Obviously, There's he didn't no draw chance. that up. But that's like the, the equivalent of like the Eric Dixon game winner attempts from last season. That it's like I don't know, Eric. You're gonna have to hit a step back. But like Justin was <laughs> like, It's Justin more time. And uh, that's yeah, exactly his, what happened. Got his three blocked, leading to the transition. Kolek. Uh, finish. Um, Outrageous. Outrageous. That, that that whole play was crazy. Abomination. Was like, here's the thing. Like, I, I don't even like being in a position to defend <laughs> Neptune in these circumstances. It's just like it's just like people immediately anytime anything goes wrong. Out of his control. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it's like because what happens is it's like bad play confirms the people's priors, well, which is on. fair. Which is fair. And and guess what? 
if this continues, if we look like we played against Marquette and St. John's for the rest of the season, we're not going to make the tournament. And as we've talked about, we're going to call for the head, right? Like at some point in time, like if you can't motivate your team, right, it's the coach's fault. But in in certain individual plays – Are you listening, Nick Sirianni? Yeah. Are you listening? (laughs) In certain individual plays, it's like people are just like, I can't believe it's what Neptune came up with. And I was like, you didn't. That's that's just like I I don't even want to be in a position to defend it. But it's they can't. They, you I'm can't tired be- of pointing it out, though. Until like I just let those people exist in their, in their, in their. Like, if you're gonna take the time to tweet that and be like, you know, have that reaction, like, I can't fix you. I'm sorry. Yeah. The problem is the pattern, right? Yeah. So, like, uh, the, the response is like, well, I get that it was more in that time, but it's also been this other thing in this other time, and so it all comes back to the coach. And I was like, well, I get that the fish does think from the head. That's that's yeah. how the saying goes. But at the same point in time, like if you can't expect Justin Moore to make the right read and right play in that moment of the game, yeah. then that's that's not um like like Jay would never have told what what to do in that position. Like it's it's Justin Moore. You put the ball in his hands and you make you trust him to make the right read. He he made the wrong read. <laughs> yeah. He made the wrong read. All right. Let's get to an ad read, which I'm gonna press it. We're gonna see what happens here, but ad read time. Today's episode of the Full 40 is brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield produces some of the best quality vintage collegiate apparel on the market. You won't find better game day gear anywhere else. Homefield has the ultimate collection of old school logos and looks with the best quality around. Shop t-shirts, crewnecks, hoodies, bomber jackets, and more at homefieldapparel.com. Don't forget to use code NOVAINSIDER for 15% off your first purchase. That's code NOVAINSIDER at homefieldapparel.com. All right, we're back. Uh, we're doing a UConn preview, or what's we're, the... we're, talk, we're talking UConn. The preview talking is we're, UConn. We're, the, the number preview is we're one, winning by eight. The number one ranked University of Connecticut Huskies for the first time since two thousand nine, which was weird. But I guess like every year, with the exception of last year, the year that they've won, like they've been, it's been a miracle run, a miracle. Like it's just been like a surprise. They've run. gone on a heater, yeah, yeah. It hasn't not, been like a great regular season team. It's just like yeah. we have these future pros that are going to carry us, um, which is how college basketball works. Um, yeah. That 2009 team that UConn had was pretty was pretty damn good. Yeah, they yeah. were they were excellent. But that was a but that was a UNC destiny year. Well, that team was no. That was a ref job. That was a Villanova destiny team year. But the. Uh, <laughs> Was that final – was UConn the other one in that final four? Am I tripping? Yes. Was it, it, it was, was, okay, so it was, it was Michigan State was, them. It was Michigan State beat them and yeah. UNC beat us. Um, but that was a – that was a – that was a good year. That was also a banner year for the Big East Conference because yeah. Louisville got beat by Michigan State down the stretch in that, in that Elite Eight game too. So we, it was almost three Big East teams in that final four. We'll have that this year. I'm just going to manifest that. It'll be. It's not going to be UConn. It's going to be St. John's, us, and Seton Hall in the Final Four. All of Chris's favorite teams. I love that. I love that for for us. But yeah, I Chris mean UConn. Seton Hall when he said us, just so everybody knows. Um, <laughs> we got UConn coming. Um, okay, Will. Donovan Klingon is playing. Yeah, so Klingon's yeah. back. Um, I'm- What's his face is a walking triple double. It seems. Yeah. Uh, 
how do we how do we pull out your manifestation of victory here? Yeah. Um, so it's going to take. Um, well, first off, like let's just run through. Like, so anyone unfamiliar, it's like it's the same UConn team, but not. <laughs> it's a little bit different. Um, Klingon's now back. Um, he was injured. He's been playing. Klingon is going to be a top fifteen pick in the draft. Incredible center, good in drop coverage, yada, yada, yada. Um, where I think the changes that this UConn team has really had is, one, Cam Spencer has just been incredibly efficient for them. Um, he is a 6'4 guard, um, does a little bit of everything, um, and it's just kind of like, for honestly, when I think about this team, I'm like, all right, Cam Spencer's like, pro- from a college standpoint, like the guy that I'm like, all right, this is, if we can slow him down, it's a huge part. But then you start with like Alex Caravan, who is also on draft radars and is a great wing, can shoot the lights out of the ball, all this. Um, so Alex Caravan, remember, UConn fans were upset. He didn't win Big East freshman of the year because Cam won, which like, once again, Cam deserved to win. Alex Caravan is also going to be a hell of a college player if he decides to stay, but like he's already on draft boards. Um, Tristan Newton is been, has incredibly been incredibly improved, is for my money, the second best point guard in the Big East, like, I'm still not going to pass Kolick, but, like, Newton, who I think there are times people were like, last year, is he even a point guard, has uh, been, it's just, like, their metronome is, like, I think has, like, an maybe, like, a two, two and a half to one assist turnover ratio off the top of my head. Um, something along those lines. And just, like, lives at the free throw line. I think that's a big thing that we have to figure out is, like, how to stop Newton from living at the free throw line. Like, Tristan Newton's made 80 free throws already. That's in like he's at the free throw line. He's taken a hundred of them. Um, and then UConn has who I think is the person that's going to be like a big X factor for them just down the stretch is Stefan Castle, um, who is um, for my money, like he's going to be a top five draft pick just looking at everything I've watched. I mean, he's a big guard. He's also like, will probably play some point guard in the NBA. Um, but like, Good, uh, good size. He can't really shoot it yet, but like does everything else. A strong defender. Um, and then there's uh, the backup Samson Johnson and then Hassan Diar, who are just like good role players. So how do we make this happen? I think it's going to take a couple of things. One, we need to, and this is going to asking stuff that we like do not do or have not done super well. But it's going to take Eric Dixon going off on Klingon. This is one of those things where. Klingon is very good in drop coverage and also is actually pretty good in like space, guarding people in space for his size. Like that's why he's interesting at the NBA level. Like he can drop, but he also has just like the ability to guard in space. It's going to take Eric Dixon spreading the floor and spraying it from three. I believe we can do that because every time he faces a big that he needs to step up on, like every time he faces a, not a traditional big, he sense seems to like kind of kill him. Like Iguodaro gives him issues. Yeah. Igadar gives him issues, but Igadar was like just a like kind of a fun like moving center who just like also weirdly point guards at times. Um, Soriano is like a little bit different. Soriano is a little bit more of the uh, back to the basket, but like Soriano's just uh, Soriano just gets in trouble. Whatever. Um, I think it's going to start with Eric kind of exploiting Klingon, and then the next thing comes from like, and this is where it's really come for me is. Mark Armstrong getting into the drop coverage and then hitting mid-range jumpers. This is a game where I think Mark is going to have to score 15 to 16. And the reason I'm calling this out is 
and just a nerd out for a second here. When we're talking about like drop coverage, essentially what happens is in a pick and roll, like there's multiple ways that you can cover it, but you can either come up and like show yourself, you can switch it, which is what we tend to do, or the center can drop back and essentially give you space and prevent you from going to the rim, allowing you to take mid-range jumpers. Mark, Mark, and then honestly, if we get Jordan back, both of them love to take the mid-range jumper in that 10 to 16 foot rate area. That's a place that like, if you're able to push clinging in a little bit more or you're push coming in and then take those jumpers you can kind of like we're taking a shot that i even though it's not the best shot statistically it's something that they're comfortable with and i'm i want my players taking shots that they're comfortable with so if we're able to get to the places that we're comfortable with i think we can do that there um and then the other thing is one we got embarrassed so we have to step up <laughs> two it's at home and then three i think we match up well with them defensively like, I think our length is good enough. I think we can put, by putting more on Spencer, we can put Hart and Burton on Caravan. We can put whoever on Newton. Klingon, obviously, we can't bang with Klingon in the paint. It's gonna, it's, he's going to get his in the paint. But if we're able to, like, I would honestly do what we used to do um, in, in, like, the 2016, 2017, 2018, where it's, like, ball pressure to prevent you from getting the ball in. Like, obviously, Klingon's 7-2, so you can just throw it up. But the harder we make it in for new or make it for, like, Newton and spent a castle to get the ball in the better it's going to be for us. I think those are the ways that we do it. I would want to see realistically Nana play more here because Nana plays with more force and I think can get Klingon in foul trouble. And then the thing we got to do is like, you got to test Klingon's foot. Like you got to test Klingon's foot, but I also have a take that's weird. I don't want to play Klingon off the floor because I think UConn will beat it. It's better to better match to beat us with Samson Johnson playing the paying the five or just them going small and like putting caravan at the five, which are, they've done at times. Mm -hmm. um, then it would be if Klingon stays out there. So like, I'm curious, it's like winning the Klingon minutes and like taking advantage of what they give us there, which that's a big part of this. We need to take advantage of what they give us to be able to pull this off. That's essentially what I think it is. I think it being at home is going to be huge. I think we're going to have good energy. It's UConn. It's, uh, it'll probably still be snow on the ground. Like it'll be a great tailgate atmosphere. Like it's going to be a chance to like really make a statement. And I do feel that this team plays up to the moment a lot of, or up to can, can get ready for the moment. Like what we saw in the Bahamas, um, us being ready on the road at Creighton, even though we have to come back, like we're at home. This is a chance to like get a resume stamping win with number one, number one team at home. Like I I'm going to say, we're going to do it. I was genuinely happy when I saw that UConn got the number one ranking. Yeah. Like, if they got number two, I was like, fuck. I was going to be like, fuck. <laughs> like, they're going to come out with that much more of a chip on their shoulder coming into the game. Um, with the number one ranking next to their next to their name, I feel a little bit better. <laughs> uh, mostly because there's no harm in really losing to the number one team in the country. Yeah. But, like, but the reality is that – it, it takes some of that chip off. Now, that being said, Willie, I agree with you from the perspective of everything up to the Marquette game <laughs> that we've seen from this team defensively yeah. has indicated that this team should be able to match up and has better length than Villanova teams have had in the past playing Connecticut. I am pretending the Marquette game was just an aberration. Yes. Yeah. If it's not an aberration, yeah. Marquette ran – Somewhat complex, but pretty simple shit at us. And we couldn't read it to save our fucking yeah. life. 
Um, Hurley's defense, Hurley's offense is arguably the most complex in in D one. The movement that they do, all the plays that they run, it's like a hundred play page playbook that they have. They run complex shit constantly to get different guys open and part of their offense is predicated on they shoot the three ball really well. I mean, like you see UConn and you're like big UConn, right? Like they've always seemed to have that one big guy, whether it's Sonogo or Klingon or going way back in the day to, to, to some of the guys that they had back in the day. I'm drawing blanks on names. Okafor. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously Hilton, Okafor. Hilton Armstrong. Yeah. Hilton Armstrong. Uh, there was the other guy that they had back. The beat. Was a seven footer. What is it? The beat. Hashim to beat. Yeah, that was who I was thinking of. Um, they've always you always think like big, strong Yukon, right? Like, but this team is a three point shooting. Their team. guards, their shooters are so good. They're so good. They're shooting 40 percent, 39.6 percent, I think I saw from deep. 40. So like they're number one in conference in three point shooting. They're one of the top teams in the country at three point shooting. Cam Spencer, who Willie, you brought up before, is shooting a is shooting 47% from three-point land. Alex Caraban, who's 6'8", is shooting 41% and change from three. And the smart thing about how UConn plays is that they run most of their three-point shooting off of those two guys. Right, Tristan Newton takes a bunch, um, mostly when he's open. He's been a little bit slump of late. But still, he can knock them down from anywhere. And so, and and they run most of their three point shooting through those handful of guys. Hassan Diar will come in and, and shoot a couple threes. Solo Ball um, was brought in as a recruit to be a little bit more of a shooter than he has been. Um, he's 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 taken fifty three attempts and he's only shooting twenty eight percent, so he's not shooting all that well. But I think he will be a better shooter than that ultimately. But this team is absolutely fucking loaded top to bottom, clinging plays or not, right? Um, but they need to uh, what they what 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 we need to do. I, look, the one thing that's good is that they don't play a super up tempo. Like last year's team definitely exploited their athleticism better and got up in transition a lot more. They weren't the fastest team in the world last year, but they could play very fast. This team doesn't do that as much, but that's more of a personnel adjustment. Um, without uh, Jackson and Hawkins, who were on the team last year, uh, but that all being said, right? Like this is an uphill battle for sure. Like Willie, I totally feel what you're saying in terms of in terms of hey, I have, to, look, I have to go to rational confidence. That's just what I'm going for right now. Yeah, so. no, I like fuck it, we ball, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, fuck it, we ball. Fuck it, we ball. It's it's one of those games where I do agree with you that like hey you know Newton is maybe at a little bit of an off game you, we find ways to smother Spencer a little bit or it's a matter of let him get his and beat everybody else however you play that angle the problem of course is then Caravan but like I feel like we have the length with Hakeem Hart to guard Caravan um, and. Like Bamba is a good defensive guard, and he's yeah. stronger than everybody on their team. So, like, he should be able to do pretty good work there. So, like, the length is there. Dixon can have a big game. I I do agree with you. I'm struggling to predict a win here, only because 
that Marquette loss is really sour in my is sour. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna side with Willie here just because I think I've established I can't pick against us yet. I I can't on paper or on podcast medium uh, pick against <laughs> us. Um, my thoughts in the group chat are private and will remain so. Um, but the uh, I think. Part of the key here will be the health of Longino and Njoku. Um, Njoku sitting against Marquette was kind of a surprise, I think, to most of us. I think the official word was left knee soreness. And then Longino's been in a walking boot since the St. John's game when he rolled his ankle. Um, so, obviously, we won't know anything about either of them until the morning of the game or the afternoon of the game. But I think uh, if Njoku can play... Like Willie said, it'll it'll kind of be key. He's he's obviously bigger than Dixon and, and Lance Ware, and just to have another body that can have you know five fouls worth to give if he has to, and um and like we've seen him in in big moments, he's come up with big blocks and and big possessions for us. Um, Hurley is on a rampage this season about the refs, so having them in our back pocket. Uh, will be a big help to us as um, everybody is against UConn and uh, nothing's fair to, to Hurley. So um, that's UConn another the game for me. Yeah, um, it's just it's it's not fair. Why why do they call fouls on my team? Um, but uh, yeah, so I it depends on what team shows up for me, obviously. But I and I would obviously prefer to see the team that beat UConn show up than the team that just played Marquette. But um, I think kind of how Willie mapped it out. Uh, you see the possibility there. 8 p.m. game, Wells Fargo should be a loud building. You know UConn's going to travel well. Um, the game's at 8 p.m.? Yeah. 8 p.m. Oh, yeah. God. We're going by 16. It's going to be a big test to the dry January. Last year's that. game was at like 8 p.m. too. Just yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a, actually, uh, a big actually test to the dry January. Fucking yeah. Hawkins came in and absolutely obliterated yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was the old profile picture for me. That uh, <laughs> actually, reaction to that. I'm actually less confident now that I know it's an ATM. <laughs> like I've lost. Is there any chance we can play at 11:30? Yeah, 11:30. Um, I'm betting my life savings on it. Yeah, in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, 8 p.m. Certain players got to get out to the bar after the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll see him on the bull at Xfinity after the win. So Don't say a word. Yep. <laughs> I say a word. Yep. Um, I think it's going to matter what I, – I need to see the Creighton game happen first. Like they, yeah, they, they yeah. play Creighton tomorrow. Yeah. If they beat Creighton at home, then I feel better about a win. <laughs> if yeah, they lose I, to Creighton – they will. They have – it's their $2 beer night, I think, and, and they hate Creighton like everybody else does. So Where are they, they playing hate Creighton. They hate Creighton. Where are they playing them? XL or Gamble? Gamble, I think. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's Jover. Um, by it's Jover. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Any other final thoughts on UConn? I am 65% serious about what I've said. I'm 100% <laughs> serious. Um, so it's, uh, yeah. Well, fuck it, fuck it, we ball. Exactly. I've been. I'll I'll tweet the uh, I'll tweet the graphic. But we've been throwing around in the group chat this. Uh, it's so over. We're so back. Uh, you know, typographic in the uh, in the group chat. We'll tweet that out for the game. Uh, but it's uh, it's definitely 
in that in that territory. We should tweet so. that before every game. Just like, where do we feel we are? <laughs> we are in the budget. We're, we're plotted every yeah, game. Every yeah. game where we think we're at. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll I'll add it on to the uh, to the good morning tweet. Oh, also, this is where we are on the we ball graph this morning. I'm um, on the. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I before, do think we win. I think we yeah, win. I think we exactly. sneak out like a two three point win. I just want to have fun. Um, yeah, I just want to have fun. Don't uh, don't make me sad again. Uh, can't do two weeks in a row. Um, before we uh, we wrap things up tonight, Willie and I, when we thought we were going to have free reign over the pod today, because Chris uh, might not have been jumping on, came up with a new segment. Um, this new segment is our random wildcat of the week. We were talking about how um, there's that meme format where it's like, Instead of therapy, men will just name old sports players. Um, so <laughs> instead of therapy, Willie and I were just going to name uh, old Villanova Wildcats. I think we'll turn this into – we'll see how this goes, but I think we're probably going to turn this into a weekly occurrence, um, just focusing on one guy, you know, uh, what he did for the Cats, what he did after, what he's up to now sort of thing, just kind of shooting out of the hip, seeing uh, what we can remember and, uh, and what we can look up as we talk. And uh, this week, we landed on James Bell as our uh, random wildcat of the week. So James Bell, the most popular player to ever come out of Montverde Academy. Exactly. I had no idea that's where he went to high school, um, <laughs> as Wikipedia tells me. But, uh, Chris, do you want – he was – Obviously, he played closest to your tenure at Villanova. He was your contemporary, right? I love, I love that. No, one. he was not. <laughs> no, he was mine. Which, which, <laughs> Josh, which he, he was, he was, mine. He was Willie's contemporary. Yeah. I know, but you know, you were 2009. He he got here in 2010, right? Didn't he? he got yeah. here in 1011. Yeah. So 1011. Okay. Two years Two year after gap. me. Yeah. Two year gap. So, Willie, tell us about your very close personal friend, uh, Taj Bell. <laughs> Taj Bell, what a guy. Um, no, I mean. It was like he was so fun, and like I think as we think about like to contextualize Villanova's history of like the last the 2010s, like I, I think we think about like everyone remembers the 2016 team, they remember 2018, they remember 2015, but like Taj was the start of that. Like, I, and I, th I think if you ask, like, I think a lot of people go back to like, oh, it was Ryan and Dio, or it could be the first next people be like it was actually Darren and Javon. Like, it actually started with Taj. Like, that's where it all really started. Like, he deserved like i mean he deserved more than what we, what he got during his time here um he started off like just kind of growing into it like he played as a freshman didn't do much but he was there sophomore year you could start to see flash the team didn't things. do much when he was yeah, a freshman team, to be fair. and also the team yeah. didn't do much this, this whole entire <laughs> time period didn't do much as a sophomore um junior year like he started he kind of took a leap but like not really as much as you thought he would have and i think that's where a lot of people were putting a lot on him and then senior year uh the year that we lost to the u 2013 20, yeah that was uconn um like he took a leap and he was one of the best like players in the big east he averaged you know what was it like 14 and 6 um and i just remember i mean he had the he had the shot versus Syracuse in the 2012-2013 season um, that got us the lead um, in overtime because Arch hit the shot to get Arch to overtime. Arch sent it to overtime. Yep. Yeah, and then Bell hit, like, one of the big shots down there. He was just a big game player, strong defender, like, really athletic. Like, I 
I would have loved to see him. Like, if I could have added him to the Phil Booth Pascal team, I'd be so interesting. Like, I think he would have. It would have just given them such a cool. I mean, he'd be great on all the teams. Let's be very clear. But um, he just like he was such a good player and like unsung and underrated and just like a player that I like. I think when we called out, I wanted to kind of be like, hey, he's like he was like huge for us and a huge part of like the legacy being where it is of like Jay Wright development and all those different things. Like, yeah, he kind of underachieved if we really want to get into it because he was like a high school all American, but he found it as he found his way and he really became that he was all big East player. Like I just, I, I love James Bell. Um, really like just, and obviously like as what's important to all Villanova people or most Villanova alums, like was also just a big part of the community. Like was a person that you see on campus and was just like, glad like seemed like he was glad to be there and like was just all in on the campus yeah um when i think of james bell i think of that syracuse game and then um the uh the battle for atlantis uh run him and uh obviously that that's kind of like one of the places we look to what started that uh golden era of villanova basketball um you know james bell dylan ennis ryan archidiacono those guys had an unbelievable tournament that we, I think he, I'm going to say he was MVP. I, I think he was, um, but you know, outplaying Andrew Wiggins. What, what, what happened, Willie? Uh, yeah. First off, he out, he outplayed Andrew Wiggins. I just remembered <laughs> he was also the uh, shot that beat St. Joe's when uh, the Holyoke kind of savage, kind of savage game. Oh, he, was, like, <laughs> he caught fire in that, um, in that game, which like brought us back there. So like, actually he did it. <laughs> Sorry, that was like a big reaction. Yeah, no, Willie, Willie <laughs> looked like there was somebody like that just invaded his, his apartment um, on camera for those who can't see. Um, but yeah, I, when I think of James Bell, I, I group him, like you said, with, with Darren Hilliard and, and Javon Pinkston as those are the guys that deserved so much more. Like they were so close to reaping the benefits of what they had sowed for their, uh, their careers at Villanova, and they just missed it by you know, one or two years. Um, but those are, are kind of like the, the founder, the, the beginning of that era and uh, just, just fun guys to watch. It was always like, like I will, he will always have outplayed, you know, future number one pick Andrew Wiggins in, in Atlantis. Um, he was the battle for Atlantis MVP. Uh, played all over Europe. I think he's in, I, Wikipedia says he's in, uh, Japan right now, Poland, Poland. Um, but you know, that are very similar to each other. Well, there's Japan's on his Wikipedia somewhere. Um, he's uh, yeah, one of those guys that uh, one, I'm sure once his uh, international career wraps up, he will be more of a feature uh, back in the uh, practice facility and, and around campus a little bit. Um, He's uh he's honestly one of my favorite players of those early uh, 2010 teams. Yeah, I mean, what he's like, I mean, for professional career, he's still it's been like what 10 years and he's still playing. Yeah, he's still playing. But, yeah, yeah. So like a little less than 10 years, but like, this, I think this is year 10. Yeah, he's so, on track to run into Scotty Reynolds at some point. They, they're gonna the pass will cross. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so uh, back in. Back when I was in school, it was back in back in the day, back in Nam. Um, Tell me about the war, Chris. 
back when I was in school, it was like Villanova was guard you, right? Like it was, it was, it became the thing with the, with the Lowry, Foy, um, Lowry, Foy, A. Ray, Nardi, uh, Corey Fisher, Stokes, etc. That whole Scotty, yes, of course, Scotty. Like that whole group, it became guard. Like Villanova started to become known as guard you, right? And then, interestingly enough, though, like when I think about like what made Villanova great during its final four years was the play at the wing position. Um, obviously the bigs like made a difference in terms of taking us to the next, next level in terms of winning national championships with, um, that, but like the wing, like I always said, like Villanova is called guard you, but it's quietly wing you. Um, you have like four Julius Irving award winners in the last 10 years or something like that, which is the best small forward in college basketball. And, and bell was kind of like the transition piece that kind of from the from the first era of Villanova basketball where that era like Dwayne Anderson and Shane Clark and that group of guys um Reggie Redding was more of a guard but like but like that group of guys kind of carried like that that wing position for a while and got us to a final four there then there was like a little dark period and then James Bell was part of what came out of that. And he was like the first in the line of just like absolute elite play on the wing. Like James Bell was Darren Hilliard before Darren Hilliard was Darren Hilliard. James Bell was Josh Hart before Josh Hart was Josh Hart. James Bell was Mikhail Bridges for before Mikhail Bridges was Mikhail Bridges. Like it was, he was the start. He was like the tone setter for that whole run of players at that position. Um, like even guys like a Jermaine Samuels, like all those guys were like in the model of what James Bell set the model to be back in, back in that, in that 2013, 2014 time period. Yep. And just for argument's sake, just to like check myself on this while you guys were talking, I pulled up the Ken Palm comparable players and literally his most comparable player is Darren Hilliard in 2015. And then five down from that is Mikhail Bridges in 2018. So, like, it's odd to have two Villanova guys in, like, yeah. this, like other Villanova guys in, like, the comps area. But just to show you how much he set the tone of how, like, the whole program played uh, through that three, you know, the, the three position – from like there on out, like it was, he was just terrific in that, in that role. I look, I, I give him a lot of credit because much is made of the arch and Oshefu class and Good to a slightly lesser extent, the Hilliard and Pinkston class of how those guys turned around the program. But James Bell actually had to live through the utter fucking shit show yep. that happened from 2010 to 2011, 2011 to 2012. And then, and then the beginning of 2012, 2013 to kind of bring that program back. Like he was there, he went through it. It would have been much easier for him to quit. Right. Like, and many guys did many guys left. Right. Like, so like he didn't, he stuck it out and he really went through it like really bad. Yep. And so, and so for him to take that and take that leadership role and 
push the program back into the limelight was after having not really having had a base to do it. That was awesome. He was yeah. he, he's he was he was absolutely spectacular um, in if that the, 2014 season. If the Julius Irving Award existed then, it only was created the next year. Oh, bye, Trevor. Um, <laughs> if, the, if the award existed then, it would have been. He probably. I mean, he would have been a final. He would have been a finalist for it. Um, let me pull Trevor back in because he has the internet of a 19 per. Yeah, actually, I thought Chris froze, and then I stopped, and then it started buffering, and I hit refresh, but. Before it reloaded, it started going again. So I, I did all that for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, he was. I mean, yeah. If that if that award existed before then, he probably would have been a finalist for it, if not won it. I can't remember who who else was uh, a candidate then. But regardless, like, I, I he deserves his flowers, and I'm glad we're giving him it. Like, I'm glad this. I'm glad we're doing this because, like, talking about some players from that past from the past, from the past who just like did not get their flowers. I think it's going to be like it's good. It's good to hear. He had metal rods inserted to his legs his freshman year because of a stress fracture in his tibia. Okay, in the back of my head, I was like, wasn't he injured? But like, he played enough that I never really thought about it. But yeah, he, he only metal- missed. I don't. I guess that surgery was probably over the summer because he missed the first five games of his freshman year. Um, but you get metal rods inserted into your legs and only miss five games. I dare you. Yeah. Um, yeah, he is. Um, he is very important to where we are now and 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 what was built in uh, in the second half of Jay Wright's tenure at Villanova. Thousand point scorer, um, just a stud. Uh, was leader on the team that won the first Big East championship of the new Big East. Am I making that up? I think I'm right. Nope, uh, you made that up. Made that yeah, up. We didn't win that. Well, we won the Big East regular regular season, season regular. Not regular, season. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sterling, I was going to say that team. Yeah, yeah. No. Sterling, Sterling Gibbs broke my heart while I was in St. Mary's. I remember this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Um, as we all know, the the Big East regular season is harder to win than a national championship, so you <laughs> will always have that. Um, and first of the Bahamas dynasty that Villanova is. So, um, shout out to James Bell. Yeah. Um. Speaking of Seton Hall, by the way, they oh I know they're up like forty on St. John's right now. Wait, really? I haven't been murder town. They went on a twenty-eight to zero run. Um, The Big East is so good in the middle. Big East is ridiculous. Um, that's not the middle anymore. That's the top, uh, unfortunately. (laughs) True. Um, I guess you're damn you're damn right. I'm sorry. As uh, as we transition out of this segment, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he froze again. <laughs> I froze again. I'm back. All right. All right. You don't need therapy. You just have to talk about a random Villanova player every week. Um, so that is your random Villanova player of the week. <laughs> Love that. <clears throat> yeah, Seton Hall's up 60 to 38. 28? 38. 60 to 38. 60 to 38. It's crazy. It's actually crazy because, like, I remember in the beginning of the season at Biggie's Media Day. Sorry, I'm like just stuck on this for a second. At Biggie's Media Day, um, Shaheen Holloway was like, I think I have the best backcourt in the Big East. But 
the question is what happens between the years, right? Like, and he was like, he was like, but on paper, I think I have the best backcourt in the conference. And everyone was like, you fucking silly motherfucker. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? See, Noel's going to be like eighth in the conference at best. Like, what do you mean? The only thing that I will say is Patino is not coaching this game. Patino's uh, not coaching this game, but Seton Hall is just put, beating the fucking brakes off of them. Holy well, that's, shit. That's, that's what happens when you hire an old man. Sometimes he has old man stuff happen, so we're <laughs> part of the team. Yeah. Um, All right. Geez. I think. I think, I think, I think that's it. We're yeah, good. We're close. We're back after the UConn game, right? Yeah. You'll catch me live. Um, I'm going to be on spaces because we're going to win, and I'm going to be screaming. No, that's not what's going to happen. No, you can, by all means, feel free to do that. I'm going to start um, a space on my personal account. And it's just going to be like no one in there. <laughs> it's going to be like, why is, who is he talking to? In an ideal world, join. in an ideal world, I will be driving back from the game. So, in an ideal world, Chris will decide not to drive home after the game and be hanging out with Brian and me in Xfinity. We can potentially arrange that. Depends. All right. All right. Oh, don't fucking storm the court. If we win. Oh, yeah. For the love we're, of God. We're no. a big boy school. We've won national championships. We were in a final four two years ago. Uh, storming the court is for mid majors. I have a different reasoning, but I'm not going to argue it here. Yeah. All right. Catch you later. Peace. As, as always, let's go. No-